And welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Drones Down Under podcast. I'm Danny, and I'm going to be your host tonight. With me, we have Sean, Ty, and Brendan. Say hi, gents. G'day. Hi. How's everyone doing today? Good to see you all. Evening. Good. Good. Um, so tonight's podcast, or today, tonight, um, we're going to be talking about how to start a drone company in Australia. Um, straight off the bat, Ty, have you got something you can show us? Yeah, sure can. So I've got up here the Know Your Drone website for everyone uh, listening at home, not necessarily watching. Um, It's a pretty good resource for basically when you start right out. Obviously, you've got the ability to review all the rules, which that'll come up in a second. Got lots of videos and lots of explanation on the rules as well. Maybe you guys want to throw in a little bit of a quick re- run through some of these rules. Yeah, it's probably this. I think the the first one they got there's the 120 meter, the the max height, which I think is actually 400 feet is the one that the compliance is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, correct. 400 feet AGL. Yep. And uh, I think we might we might park the 30 meter. Uh, away from well, at the 30 meter away from people. Uh, that's a whole nother yeah, topic, whole isn't it? Right there. There. Whole episode right there. <laughs> um, and obviously one drone at a time. So that's that that's clearly uh, something that we everyone should pay attention to. Exactly. Um, and a lot of us are males and can only do one thing at once. So one drone at a time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you can it's much safer that way. <laughs> I've actually got a good example of that in um, my video storage too. I'll have to bring out one day for dummy of the week of two drones and what can happen. So we'll leave that one there. I look forward to it. Um, but yeah, obviously to keep, keep the um, visual line of sight, obviously a, a paramount thing for what we do. It's the only way of really remaining safe um, and it's legal as well. Um, and obviously the populous areas are, are important. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, what were you about to say today? I was about to say, would you be able to explain the uh, visual line of sight rule a bit, bit further? Yeah, sure. So it's it's pretty straightforward. You need to be able to maintain a visual line of sight with your drone at all times. Um, yeah, we, you can't have this thing miles away where it's completely out of view. You need to be able to see it or you need to have spotters there that are able to see the drone. Otherwise, it is technically an illegal flight. Um, to do beyond the visual line of sight, uh, you need to have special approvals to do so at this current point in time. Um, but yeah, you, you need to be able to see this thing at all times. Awesome. And FPV goggles, can we wear them and maintain line of sight? Well, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> this is why Casa doesn't like FPV drones. <laughs> I've heard I you made a good point. Yeah. Um, tie as well with the visual line of sight is that um, you as the operator technically don't have to have eyes on the bird if you've got other team members that are on the other side of the building that you have direct communication with that is still technically you've got visual line of sight of your drone so um, would, would those operators have to be in communication with the pilot in command 
Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah, so like radio or phone or something. Radio or on your phone or something like okay. that. Um, but yeah, as long as... A clear we, line of communication. Clear yeah. line of communication. And then once it leaves your visual line of sight as the person with the remote in your hand and then the other operator or your spotter is on the other side of the building or structure or bridge or whatever, they, they've got visual line of sight and they can communicate to you if you're too close, too far away. Yes. Um, yeah. That's still within keeping visual line of sight. It's always good to know. Yeah. Also, one thing I might it, add as it well. Has, it has to be able to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It was, I was just going to say, it just has to be seen at all times by either you or your spotters. Um, it just, it, it, it can't be off in its own world doing its own thing without yeah. no one seeing it at all. You also need to be able to, um, to orientate the drone's direction unaided as well. So if you're flying it hypothetically, say 500 meters, you need to be able to tell which way the drone's facing. And I don't really think any of us can see a Mavic Mini that far away. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> all right. Um, respect person, personal privacy. Do we talk about that already? That's a hard no, one. We, I, th I think no, that's a hard one. Oh, no, we haven't. As well. So it's a pretty. It gets into the Privacy Act there, which is pretty um, intense. <laughs> yeah, and it's very opinionative, I guess, um, depending on. Yeah, it's a bit of a gray area that one. Yeah, like where where do you draw the line if you're a real estate photographer and things like that? Like how Talk do you how do you do those? Unless you're talking you to every that. single yes. neighbor, that's pretty much the only way of doing it, like yeah. legally, essentially. Yeah. Which we all do. We might add, we talk to every. It's definitely neighbor. something. Yeah, it's it's de it's definitely something that you know has come up very a lot over the years, especially doing real estate when you're chatting to neighbors and they are always concerned about what you're doing what you're filming um but that's why we have to tell them that's why i have to yeah. sit there and go hey look we're putting a drone up in the air we're taking some photos of this property um look you may hear it but we're we're not we're not peeking at you around the pool basically <laughs> i think common sense like you said go go have a conversation with them and, and let them know it's easier to have that conversation than have a yelling match you know within five minutes of launching a drone yes while it's in the air that's always nice. exactly um yeah. i think as well as doing if you, do you want to distractions yeah distractions um have a sign with you just put a sign out saying drone operation a basic a-frame sign makes you look mm -hmm. 10 times more professional like you're supposed to be there over someone that's just flying a drone for fun so yeah you know, then you, if you, don't you add some out, witch's hats and a high vis vest at the same time, and, exactly right. and no one questions you when you got that high vis on. <laughs> high vis on, they walk away. There you go. Oh, is no, high <laughs> vis is access to everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> backseat, backseat to any uh concert. No worries. High vis in a pizza box, you're sweet. Yeah, <laughs> um, oh man, I've got some stories from gigs back in the day when I was working as a photographer with Hiviz, but we'll leave them for, for another conversation another we should, time. We should totally chuck that onto a um, uncut, unseen, edited, unedited uh, safety tie segment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next one is... There'd be some definitely no safe moments there. <laughs> Ooh, no comment. Yeah. Um, so our next one is, if your drone weighs more than 250 grams, you must fly at least 5.5 5.5 kilometers away from a controlled airport, airport, which generally has a control tower at them. That sounds like a lot for someone that's just got into drones. Just stay away from airports. Yeah. 
Yeah. Probably the best way to say it. Yeah. Where it says control the basis control. of that rule is stay away from airports. <laughs> Don't be yeah. in the news. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Don't end up like those ones in Heathrow that were like, I think it was twice in a matter of like a, a month or two last year, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Didn't where they both to... got up and shut down the entire Heathrow <laughs> airport, which just does my head in. <laughs> Didn't that work out to be a police drone or something? Yeah, or one of them? it worked out to be the police. Oh. <laughs> one of them was, but the other one wasn't. The other one, I'm pretty sure from memory, was a recreational pilot just being a bit of an idiot from uh, what I remember. Why? Of all places. But that's another story for another day. So in Heathrow, <laughs> do, we, do we use something like an open sky to check where the airport locations are, perhaps? Or any other apps other, that we can yeah, yeah, recommend? Most, most definitely in I, th- I think you guys would, re- would remember that um, we- we've spoken about that, you know, I think, back in episode one or was it episode two, actually. We did speak about Open Sky, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely an app that I, I recommend most recreational pilots or every recreational pilot really has. Um, I mean, we use it professionally and <laughs> I think to a recreational level, it's your one way to guarantee at least you know where airports are, where you can and can't fly, um, any other possible dangers in the area usually come up on that. So it's, it's definitely worth having. Yeah, and even that one, Danny, you mentioned last time is the OK number two fly. Yeah. The web browser, that's a good one as well. Yeah. They're all they're all good. They give you essentially a green light or a red light. It's like, yes, you can fly. No, you can't fly. Yep. There is other instances yeah. where there's helipads and whatnot, but it generally breaks down to an easy bit of information. Well, it makes you aware of what's surrounding, right? That's exactly. all good. Yeah. 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 And I think um, Open Sky, you can choose what class or category you're going to be flying under as well. So, yeah, if, recreational subject. Yeah, you can, yeah, and, yeah, you can select it. Yeah. Mm. And then it'll tell you, yeah, yes, no, maybe. And then it, it breaks it down even more if you're a REOC holder. You can only fly yeah. here if you've got the REOC and approval or you follow your guidelines or whatever it is. So, yeah, there's a lot to get into. Yeah. Um, well, actually, this backs on to the next point as well. Um, okay to fly also includes your hazards like, say, bu- uh, fire, fires and bushfire reduction burns, okay. which the next, next uh, point on here yes. is, remember, you must not operate your drone in a way that creates a hazard to another aircraft personal property. Well, if there's a fire, a lot of the time, they, you know, they're dumping, uh, was it the fire retardant on top of the, on the fire? You don't be flying drones around there. And I remember yeah, or, or water bombing. That's yeah. the other thing. They come in low and fast. Yeah. Like the 2019 bushfire. We, actually, we yep. actually have them. Yeah, we actually had the same thing. It was, I think it was actually still in 2019, but it was up here. Um, we actually have a dam not far from where I live. And the water bombers were flying over there. We actually got to watch it. It was just pretty cool. They, they fly over, they grab the water, they go straight back over and drop it. And there was three helicopters i believe running back and forth for about they, they allow three hours putting the fire out how, how oh, beastly God, they yeah. sound. i'm telling you right now they would oh they're, they're nuts and they fly very very low yeah so like they're, they're well under the yeah hmm. yeah you, you definitely don't want to be in the air when they're flying around that's for sure hmm. and you gotta keep in mind you get if if a helicopter hits a drone of any size Maybe not the 250 gram, but you you are putting other people's lives in danger. And it's not just the pilot. It's also the people that crash into, you know. And anyone underneath the helicopter. Yeah. So there's big problems. We've seen enough movies to know how much damage a helicopter flies at when it falls out of the sky. (laughs) 
<laughs> Jerry Brockhammer movie. Definitely. <laughs> um, on to our next point. Uh, you must only fly during the day and you must not fly through fog or cloud. I've seen some pretty good videos of over Sydney Harbour in the fog. Mm-hmm. Looks great, but I don't know. Yeah. See, uh, I don't know. I think it um, depends on the <laughs> thickness of the fog, right? If you can maintain visual on the side of your aircraft. Through fog. That's an interesting one. Man. Well, it might just be really thin fog. It might not be <laughs> like, it might just be like a mist. And you can still see all your indicator lights. You can still see everything. Right. You know, I was trying to photograph our fog the other day. I missed. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, no, I'm serious. I didn't play. Oh, I like that one, Danny. Good work. Man, I've been holding on to that uh, one since episode one. Yeah, you, you, I love it. You wrote that one down. I know you did. I did. I've got it right here on my screen next to me. Squeeze <laughs> <laughs> it in somewhere, guys. Oh, dear. It's a shocker. <coughs> so next right, well, we can so, we so go should, on to the next one. As should well. we break down fog, thin fog, wide fog, fog thick fog? <laughs> or is that another topic? Uh, really thick fog. Guess keep line of if you can still keep line of sight. I guess the fog just, isn't thick enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not fog, um, just, uh, I reckon just, it'd still be pretty hard in a light mist to see a white phantom in the air. Absolutely. <laughs> so oh, with it, light, it comes down so. to common sense. You know, if you're flying yeah. a um, yeah. Phantom, it's yeah. different. Uh, but if you're flying an Inspire or a Matrice 300, it's different again. So, um, just common sense, people. Common sense isn't common these days. Uh, there's no such thing as common no. sense. <laughs> oh. um, I think we've already kind of covered the next point where you must not yep. fly your drone over an area affected by a public safety or emergency operations. That's pretty much about fires and whatnot. You can check your okay to fly sites. Um, and I'll tell you if there's a fire or any emergency operations. Mm. Um, Sean, when do you want to explain the next one? Oh, sorry. I was going to ask, what if you got contracted to map a car crash scene? Is that, is that I think they, cause, they are, Yeah, because they actually are the emergency operations. Um, I don't know, DJI publicly shows that they fly over the crash sites. <laughs> Very true. What if they're real crash sites? <laughs> um, Who knows? I'd be curious if anyone knows any police that would like to come on, light, on board or anyone... Uh, you know, emergency services. Actually, we were well. talking about that before the episode, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it, it would be a good but... one to actually go. <laughs> that would be a good one. I'll probably do it in-house anyway, so they get the exemption. Yeah, true. Um, yeah. If you're anywhere near a helicopter landing site or smaller aerodrome without a control tower, you can fly your drone within 5.5 kilometers. So how do we, how do we define the controlled and uncontrolled airspace? Go check your airspace. Air Use traffic control tower. Yeah. And yeah, obviously finding out on the apps. Yeah. So I think any 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 time you're about to go fly anywhere, you got to check the apps, no matter who you are and what you do, especially recreational. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just going down to a park, I know, see it all the time. You see people whip drones out, and they're like a couple of kilometers away from you know Marabin Airport or something like that, which is a controlled mm-hmm. air airport not supposed to be flying hmm. i know it's probably you know not the end of the world blah 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 but if something goes wrong and your drone fails you're potentially putting people's lives at risk so um, hmm. at the end of the day it, it's always comes back to what risk and liability are you prepared to hold because that drone has a serial number has flight hmm. records and it knows exactly where it took off from 
uh, everything like that. DJ, I've got your information. Yeah. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's inevitable that you're going to get caught if something goes wrong. Yeah. A good point to note that you mentioned. And probably that. just Check worth it. noting. I got, you go, Ty. You keep going, Danny. I was going to say, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, it's just probably worth noting that because it just prompted me when you said about parks there, Brendan. Um, I know in Queensland, for example, um, there is actually in Brisbane, there is actual designated parks um, for people to go and recreationally fly a drone and practice and, and learn how to fly because end of the day, it sometimes can be hard to find spaces where you can legally fly and practice your manoeuvres and, and, and all of that stuff. Um, but I know, I, I can't say for New South Wales and Victoria, obviously you guys might have a bit of a better idea, but I know definitely in Queensland and in Brisbane in particular, there is several parks where you can go and fly recreationally and practice your skills without having to worry too much if you're in a safe area as such. That's pretty awesome. Is that a council initiative or is it state? I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's a state initiative. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm okay. pretty sure that's a state initiative. Definitely worth looking into. Then I know New South Wales doesn't have anything. Um, I can't speak for the Melbourne guys. <laughs> well, I know um, Geelong Council's quite good, um, where they've actually you can just apply for a permit online, and within I think 24 to 48 hours you get a permit. That's cool. Uh, as long as you do that, which is really good, because uh, for us most of the um, you know, most parks, you can't really fly, as you all know. So you need to have a conversation with the council and every council is different, right? So yep. uh, typically nature strips, um, pedestrian walk uh, access, um, parks, local parks, you can't take off and land. So I think most people don't realise that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point, Sean, because... At the end of the day, when you really break down the rules, it is almost impossible to just go and take your drone and fly mm. as if it's not within your own backyard and you're not going up above other people's homes yeah. and you're staying yeah. lower than your fence. Because when you're going out what... into a public open space, then you're going into populist areas, then you're flying within 30 metres of people, um, all those other bits and pieces. And, and, and it's council-owned land. Yeah. Mm. So... Yeah. Yes. So, so like on the Sunshine Coast, for example, they actually made it illegal to fly over any Sunshine Coast council owned land if, recreationally um, and in some cases commercially. Um, we do have ARC airfield up here um, in Coolum and they basically encourage you to go and fly your drone there. Um, but again, it's, it's something I, I don't believe I've ever heard of them enacting um but it has it, it came into effect i believe at the start of this year um they actually expect you to get special permits for certain flights and things now but from council not from casa um but yes like i said i, I haven't heard of it actually being enforced as such at the moment i think it's a bit of a blanket rule just for them to pick and choose when they want to enforce it to be honest is that even um, taken off from yeah, it's, property it's, as well is that if you take off from private property as well? No, that's where that's where the loophole. Okay. No, so on in Sunshine Coast, private property is fine, yeah. but as soon as you're off private property on council land, technically it's legal. Yeah, I think that's I think it's the same here. Um, a lot of the time we just avoid dealing with council unless we have the correct permits. When say hypothetically for real estate, yeah. real estate is private property. 
because a lot of the time you do require council permits. To, you know, you've got to set up your bollards, your cones, witches hats, and we all know how much Ty loves his witches hats. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're stunning things. <laughs> I think you'll never probably... let me let that down. No, huh? no. I'll link that video in the description. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I think the best thing to to do is is call and chat to the council and and do the or get online, look at your local council, yeah. and see what 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 their conditions are. Um, you shouldn't be, you know, they they're being quite quite friendly. They're also learning a lot themselves. So mm. best just be open before ask. Don't try to ask for forgiveness. That's not really going to work too well lately. Yeah. So. Forgiveness can be expensive. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Can be very expensive. <laughs> um, and I guess the last point for us here, which actually will lead us onto our next topics. Um, if you intend to fly your drone for work or just commercially, there are a few extra rules you must follow. Um, you need a remote pilot license or to fly in the excluded category, which is a sub two two kilogram or private landowner. Um, which is going to lead us into the next topic of what licensing do I need, guys? Yep, I'll stop sharing my screen. Do we want to chat chat at all about that sort of because um, there's a lot of people taking photos and, and posting on social media and thinking they don't need licensing. But I think the point to raise is if you, if there's an intent to sell, irrespective of whether you sell a photo or not, yeah. uh, you yeah. need to have the appropriate license. Yeah, like realistically, if you're posting photos, yes. like I'm sure every Instagram account out there does it. Um, if you're selling a photo, even that's intent to make money. In the end, yep. which you know breaks down into the different yes. categories. I think it's a good thing because uh, mm. yeah, there's a lot of people doing very dumb things out there. So mm -hmm. yeah, and happy to post it on social media. Oh yeah, is, uh, once it's on the internet, it's there forever. You can't get rid of it forever. Yeah, we'll catch it. We'll snap it. Exactly. We'll screenshot it. We'll be dubbed in. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's cranky. Oh, trust me. There's been plenty of times I. Really, really want to do that, Brendan. There's certain oh. topics that I'm eventually sure we'll cover, <laughs> and when we do, I'm probably going to go to town a little bit. Well, yeah. well actually, just what we are oh, going to do. Plenty to say. <laughs> we should just start bringing and putting up here. So, <laughs> name, name and shame segment. Look at, look at this shame. guy. Look, look at this guy. <laughs> What's his handle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone, oh. go check out so and so. Trust me, I have a long <laughs> list of them. So. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. I might not make many friends. This is, this is Ty's hit list, everybody. Um, he had now has brought it up on the screen, and there is about it looks about four thousand something names. <laughs> oh, mate, I reckon there'd be more. <laughs> so, rule of thumb is you don't want to get on Ty's bad side. <laughs> Safety tie. Safety tie. Sorry. Safety tie. Yeah. Um. So. Okay, guys, it's our Christmas day, and I just got my first Mavic. Um, what do I do? What do I need to buy? Do I need a license? I just want to take some pretty photos. What's your plan, Danny? You just want to take some photos? I'm going to take some photos, and you know, my auntie wants to buy one of those photos I took with the Mavic Mini. So, um, mm. do I need a license for that? No. Okay. Well, pretty simple. <laughs> Go get your uh, accreditation <laughs> off the CASA website. Become a accredited uh, CASA operator, and then you're good to go. Okay, I've heard about a thing called an ARN. Is that uh, something I need? I would, I would highly suggest get an ARN. I think most people, anyone that's sort of going into this space, 
they should just register. It's free. It's not going to cost you anything. And um, you then you get, yeah, aeronautical registration number. No, it's right? an yeah, aviation reference number. Aviation, yeah. yeah. So that number links to our yeah. licenses and our, um, well, everything really. Any yeah, portal, everything. Yeah, drone registrations, applications, licensing, everything fine. that's related to the industry in Casa, Casa yes, fine. Um, they know where they, you they are. will go to yeah. relate to your ARN. Yeah. They definitely know where you are. <laughs> I do. Especially if you're flying in DJI. Especially, especially in Sydney. There's a, there's a few aeroscope systems from what I've heard through the grapevine. And they can see everything up to a 10k radius even. So any drone you turn on, they see it. That's at least for Sydney siders. Okay. I don't know about you guys. Well, they had they actually had the same in Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games. Um, what last year, the year before, whenever it was. Um, they actually were really concerned about drones over the Gold Coast with Commonwealth Games, um, just because there's just heaps of idiots essentially down there that like to fly them when they shouldn't. Um, and they actually implemented that while they were down there. Um, I believe they actually pulled a good handful of drones out of the sky. Um, from what I understand, there was, I, I don't know on the technology, haven't looked it up, um, but apparently they were able to essentially pinpoint a drone, bring it down out of the sky safely. And then obviously if they were correctly registered or correctly associated with an ARN, they definitely followed those people up and they would have been in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. But um, from what I understand, it was, it's quite an interesting tool. They can just bring them down safely, go collect it and find out who owns it and go and have a bit of a chat. So. Yeah. There we go. As we say, Big Brother's watching. Mm. It's more than, any, more than anything. It's just if you, if you decide to do, you go into that and develop a career in a you want to start doing all the right things yeah it's true and you don't want to jeopardize the career off taking a one photo or yeah. one student move no. hmm. um so it's not worth the likes on face you guys or on insta <laughs> no really not that good either so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so after the, say, ARN and getting your accreditation, what would be the next level of licensing for, say, career growth or trying to get into the industry? Um, so it's probably the, the REPL, right? So the Remote Pilot License, okay. which, which has, um, I think, the starting seven kilograms from memory mm -hmm. and, um, then, yes. and, and then 25 kilograms, right? So... Um, I think with that, obviously, that that's two. The main thing there is that's for an individual. So if you you can then um, you'll still have that same ARN um, for that operator accreditation, and then you you basically be accredited with an REPL, which allows you to fly anything sub seven kilos, like your Mavics, your Phantoms, um, quite a few different options, I think, mm -hmm. and. Um, and then if you decide to go up to the 25, obviously you can fly um, much more sort of industrial-based drones. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Todd. Obviously, it's also worth noting that, <coughs> pardon me. Yeah, sorry, Sean. Um, it, it's also worth noting that during doing your REPL, um, quite often you get offered to potentially do your AROC as well. 
um, yeah, aeronautical radio license. So you can um, actually communicate with air traffic control, um, which is, is a nice skill to have in your back pocket. It's not nece necessary for everyone, but it's definitely a good, good tool to have in your back pocket and, and to be able to understand too what comes through the radio. Yeah, they're not talking like just, you know, Channel 40 on the CB radios down the highway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's interesting chat, isn't it, guys? Like it, you kind of mm. listen. It's a completely different world of communicating up in airspace. Mm. Uh, it's really it's very yeah. Cool to, it's know, very and cool. look, if you haven't done your A rock, you're going to struggle to understand it too. Um, I think even once you've done your A rock, sometimes it can be <laughs> a little bit cryptic. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 definitely worth having it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess it's. I, Okay. Oh, I was going to say, um, the only thing I've had experience with radios when you, I guess, call into the tower to say, notifying them you're in controlled airspace through most of everyone's um, procedures and manuals that you have to follow. You kind of have to make a radio call depending on where you are in the airspace. And I've had 90% of the tower saying, don't you dare get <laughs> on your radio and tell us <laughs> that you're flying your drone wow. because... We don't, we personally don't really care. We thank you for yeah. calling us in. <laughs> not within three nautical miles. We don't really care. Wow. Fair enough. They just that, they said that back that's, over the radio or that's no, interesting. Not on the radio, on the phone. So oh, yeah. when you call well, up 15 minutes before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you speak to the tower and just say, look, this is my location. I'm going to be here for the next X amount of hours or whatever. Um, in some part mm -hmm. of your procedures, you have to go, oh do you want me to make a radio call to announce to the airspace? I reckon, yeah, 98% yeah, of the time, the control tower just just tell, has told me to go, no, <laughs> just have it on you. It's, Something yeah. happens, we'll call you on your mobile. We're not even yeah. going to get you to use your radio. Don't clog yeah. up our airspace yeah. communication just to tell people where you're operating a drone. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. It's which, is, which is quite fascinating that, that would they actually give us that I guess capability to have the chat. I actually always wondered how much they would appreciate that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I figured, you know, I've, I've never actually had to use it. So that's interesting coming from someone who has actually had to use it, Brent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um... Here's the funny part everything I've had to deal with was complete opposite. Really? So a lot of the time we actually had a bit of a contract <laughs> over the space of a year. We've had to deal with it's uh, one and a half nautical miles from the end of the Sydney runway. Um, I'd have to call the tower, they'd check physically, check the instrument, check the time in. And literally, this would be a two or three minute conversation. Then they're like, please announce on the radio as you're about to fly. All good, announced it. They reply back, we fly. I had to announce at the end of the flight and call them at the end of the flight. Maybe because it is in the direct flight path, maybe, even though I was, you know, they were probably 800 foot, well, who knows how high at that point. But yeah, that was part of. The yeah, same operation every yeah. every fortnight. I'd say that'd be a big part of it. Yeah, that you're in the runways, it would be a big part of that, Danny. Keep in mind that is obviously for the people listening, that is because we operate under a REOC, we had to go through the right procedures, fill out the correct forms, pay a nice fee <laughs> yeah. to be able to get approval to actually fly there. Yeah. 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 I guess that leads us into the next section, right? To I was going to say, I think um, with REPL, the good thing with going through that course is the fact that it goes through a lot of detail around 
reading weather maps and um, weather charts and so forth. Voltages, everything. Yeah. You need to know yeah. what cloud yeah. is up in the sky. Yeah, aeronautical um, maps. Different well. types of fog, really I think, Brendan, was, was one other one. Yeah. Yes, types of fogs is in there. I'm sure you guys will remember back when you did your ROPL, when you looked at the VTC map for the first time and like, yeah. what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's one of the many things that scares the piss out of you when you're doing your course, and you're like, okay, I need to understand this. Yeah. My brain is melting. But I mean, it's honestly not too bad. Once <laughs> once you work it out, guys, yeah. who listens really at home, once you work out what everything is, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's just yeah. that initial time when you first look at the map, you're like, holy Ooh. crap. <laughs> I guess a lot of lines. I, yeah, the way I looked at it when I finished, I was like, yeah, okay, we're not... Um, we're not actually fly, physically flying in an aircraft and what these maps represent are visual cues for people in physical aircraft so if you're in a helicopter you can see the control towers or you can see the power line running yeah. from for five six kilometers down the mountain range and on the um, on the maps it shows you that um, power line going down going down those mountain ranges which is really interesting when you start going into that mindset of why are these things here? What do I need to understand? You know, is it relevant to me? And it is important because when you're radioing into your tower or communicating with the airspace, you can actually talk to them in relation to that, um, to the map on um, noticeable visual cues that they use in reference to where you are in, um, in the world or where your operation is. I think that's really, I think that's the cool part in understanding how you can take your knowledge from a drone operating side of things and communicate it to the people up in the air of exactly where you are in their language. Um, so it all, it all just smoothly happens. But it's also understanding the risks, Brendan, right? So it's mm. from a simplistic perspective, just being aware mm. that you're in a shared um, airspace, like driving a car, you just don't drive across three different lanes, do you? So yeah, that's exactly right. No, I've seen yeah. you. We don't, then. You're not, not in Melbourne. Not in Melbourne. can't drive far enough to have multiple lanes at the moment in Melbourne. So, you know. 5K radius, guys. Yeah. Um, well, we live in right now. Yeah. I think the really, um, the other thing as well that for you guys minds is um, how busy an airspace can be with planes and helicopters. And there's some free apps yeah. that you can go onto or websites that you can go onto and just that are relating to planes and download it. And it is absolutely mind boggling how many planes are in the air in one go. And it Especially is when you zoom quite, all the way out. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. quite frightening. Like, yeah. yeah look, I, 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 I know what you're saying. Possible? I suggest people, if you, if you, if you find an app or website to do so and do yourselves a favor, and go look over either LAX, JFK, or Heathrow Airport and have a look how many planes are in the air at one singular time. And you'll be really, really shocked. Probably, <laughs> probably not. I've done, it, I've done it with LAX before. Yeah. No, not at the moment, but you know, yeah. back in normal pre-COVID world. Yeah. Um, but I remember doing it over LAX and I was like, I don't know how they control this day in and day out and no one dies because yeah. you see so many planes. Organised chaos, honestly. Yeah. Mm. I think I think a good app is just basic is called Plane Finder. Like gives you everything. Yeah. You can literally click on the plane 
anywhere in the world and it will tell you what the serial number is, how many passengers, the type of plane, where it's took off from, where it's landing, the expected time, if it's been delayed, like everything. It will tell you everything. And then yeah. like, and it's just a free app. Just click on That's it. cool. It's always it's really good cool. when you track your family and see how long to their flight comes in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. flight's oh, delayed. delayed. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I needed that app when I was a teenager to work out when my parents were coming home so I could clean up the house before they got <laughs> home. Are we sending this podcast to your parents as well? Or? <laughs> uh, Dad actually asked today to, to where the links and stuff were because he wants to watch it. Yeah. So. And where can we find those links, Oops. guys? Sean? Damn it. Why me, man? You are, you are get you again. <laughs> it's on socials. Social media you can think of. I'm just going to write it down. Just tell me. I'll, I'll get you on the next episode. So the drone. Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. The drone drones down under podcast. Yeah. And Isn't that what I said. What's that? I'm sure I said that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I thought you said that. Oh, thank you, Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, was just, I was just alleviating <laughs> on that. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you on the next episode as well. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, uh, back to our scheduled uh, appearances. So after the REPL, what comes next? Get your REOC. REOC, but I'll oh, leave this to you guys because I'm not a REOC holder. I'm just a <laughs> pleasant little REPL holder. So if, uh, if you're an REPL holder, how are you working with a REOC? How, how, do, how does this work? Because... The, the guy to the right of me on my screen is is my boss and he has his operator accreditation and I work under him. There you go. So, yeah, so me, that side. Oh, that side. I'll, I'll start it off and then I'm sure we'll all throw our two cents in there. So the, the REORC, which is um, Remote Operator Certificate, um, essentially it's licensing the company, right? So the company holds the REORC and then us four obviously have REPL, um, licenses which allows us to operate under that reorg so um so the reorg itself i think it's important to call out that you cannot um go do operations under a reorg unless you have an repl uh, licensed operator a licensed person um and there's a i guess a, there's a whole bunch of uh, additional commissions that allows a real holder to do, for example, flying at night. Uh, and it's not just turning up and flying at night. There's a whole bunch of um, uh, guidelines and in, in, within our manual of standards that we need to actually follow. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it allows us to carry much more complex operations. Obviously, Danny talked a little bit earlier around Sydney Airport, I think was one of the jobs. So, you know, if you had an REPL, don't have a reorg, you wouldn't be able to even apply to, to get a permit. So you've got to have a reorg um, to actually apply for a permit. Um, and then fingers crossed a few hundred dollars later, uh, you may not get that anyway. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's if, you're, if you're thorough enough with your applications, I guess 90, 90% of the time the applications go through, it just depends on the complexity of it, what you're doing. 
And I think, I think yeah. it's good to be aware of that. You actually have to sit an exam or a quit. It's probably an exam. You get questioned through CASA to be thrilled. To, yeah, very, exactly. thrilled, very thorough exam. Don't you actually, don't, yeah. Don't you guys actually like, obviously I haven't done it, but um, don't you guys actually have to go through a hypothetical um, operation right. with them yep. where they yeah. basically pose this thing to you, out. then you have to go through that. Yeah. yeah. And, and literally <laughs> make the safe operation and go yeah. through all the steps to do yeah. so from what I yeah. understand, but obviously. It really shows you how complex the most simple operation is. Like when you operate under REOC, there's no, oh, I'm just going to go fly over here. It's okay. Yeah. You need your JSAs. You need your risk <laughs> assessments. You know, you need, you need to know everything that could go wrong or is going to happen on those operations. Yeah. Yes, I think the best thing 100%. to do is there is an operational procedure um, and manuals that we all have to adhere under. Um, yeah. And each of us obviously have our own set, but there's a standard template that you'll start off from. But as Brendan and, called out earlier. And you do have to write your own um, operations manuals, don't you? And still have them signed off via CASA as well for your operator's license? I'm pretty yep. sure now there actually is a standardized manual you can kind of download from the CASA site. And then you, okay. I like, don't hold me to this. It's kind of you download yeah. it and kind of manipulate what you need to suit your operations. But that will get scrutinized down to every single word, abbreviation, everything through CASA when you actually submit it. Yeah. The and most if you want, definitely if you want to change would. anything as well, it costs more money. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that there's ops procedures and manuals definitely much more um, detailed. The other, I think, important step is making sure all the RATL um, persons that are operating under the real are actually familiar with those. Um, they actually need to sign off that they've actually read it. Mm. Yeah. Um, actually, our Bible, really. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's great yeah. because I think. I think we all agree it's great to have those standards and, and as long as it's practical to use them. So yeah. there's no point writing something you're never going to look at. So, yeah. Hey, Sean, think... right now is a really good chance if you wanted to test tie on anything. <laughs> <laughs> that will, uh, will we catch up fairly Don't you dare. <laughs> yeah, not right now. <laughs> if it's, if it's like night, night operations, for example, we don't always do night operations, obviously. So it's, you know, you have to go back, re-familiarize yourself with it. We go through it yep. together. I'm sure we, we all do it, right? So, mm. yeah. Um, you got to run your eyes over your procedures and manuals all the time just to mm -hmm. re-refresh what you're actually supposed to be held, what you're being held accountable for. Because yeah. at the end of the day, those yeah. procedures and manuals that you're operating amongst or with are all legally binding documents. So yep. if you do something exactly. and it goes wrong and you haven't followed your procedures and manuals, you're, you're in the shit. Basically mm, yep. it's, it's, it's almost Are you like, listening, Ty? I'm in the <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. but it's true. The, the real holder is actually responsible for the RAPL, the pilots and every operation. Yes. And you're yep. essentially like we yeah, use so any, anything that I do as a pilot, yeah, if, if anything I do as a pilot, if, if I essentially stuff up and I start doing silly things and that could end up causing us a bit of trouble, unfortunately for Sean, that's all on Sean. Yeah. Um, but well, if you, to an extent if you, anyway. If you're doing anything outside it's of definitely the... something that you've got to be aware of. Yeah. 
in saying that when the chief remote pilot signs up, does their flight authorization, if the ROPL holder does anything outside of what they've authorized, then it's on the remote pilot, remote pilot, not the chief remote pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the other important thing as well, because the REOC stays with the company or the entity. Um, you have to, within that company, obviously nominate a chief remote pilot who oversees all of the operations that happen within that organization. And that chief remote pilot can change and whoever it's a, it's a bit of a process because every chief remote pilot you nominate has to go through the same process of being interviewed by CASA. And it's almost like going through, going for your application for your REOC again. Yeah. Um, and it's Which, a painful yeah. process, but it's, it's part of it. They have to make sure that you understand the role that you're taking on. You understand what you're going to be legally bounded by with those documents, operate your procedures, procedures and manuals. And then once they're satisfied, then you become chief remote pilot, but you're not going to put someone in a position where they kind of know what they're doing, but not really. They don't, they haven't read the procedures and manuals or it's, it's not, it's not a situation Castle want to put themselves in either. And um, I don't think the business no. will want to put them in a position where they don't have someone that's um, competent in that role. Yeah. Which funny enough, actually, that's pretty much what happened with me. So the company I work for Hoverscape, um, you know, started casual working with them, worked my way up through it. And then I essentially took over the role of chief remote pilot. But to do that, it was a week of grind. <laughs> It was one blur. I remember that Friday night once I actually got the sign off. It's like 6 p.m. Got the sign off from Casa. Yep. I'm not much of a drinker, but I drunk that night. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. It was the yeah. end of a very long week. Mate, I drank <laughs> when I got home from my REPL. So I imagine you definitely drank when you got home from that. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's definitely stressful. There's no doubt. Uh, but it's it's like you said, there's a lot of responsibility. So yeah. I think anyone doing that chief role, uh, you're not going to just do it because you like to. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think and the other, <laughs> yeah, the other layer of it as well is, the chief remote pilot and then there's other um i guess roles within that reoc that people can hold as well like the maintenance and things like that of the aircraft so there's other things that it's not just the chief remote pilot like you know myself i'm i'm the maintenance person i oversee the um, operations everything like that um but as the team grows and everything like that then you got you've got roles to be able to put people in responsibilities for and i think that's exciting for people in this space because it's not just like you can just be a remote pilot for someone that has a reoc there are other responsibilities within a reoc that people can take on that the chief remote pilot doesn't necess necessarily have to do and oversee so um there, there are yep. avenues and ways that it's not just you're not just a remote pilot you can take on responsibility for part of that reoc within that company and um, I think that's exciting within the business. I mean, well, within our industry, it's not just your operator or your remote op uh, remote operating certificate holder. Yeah. That's, there's, there's two different aspects of it. It's a good way but of I growing through a company even. Like say there is bigger companies out there that have, I don't even know how many pilots under them. And yeah. I admit, I'd, I'd, I'd imagine that the chief from a pilot would have his hands full, or her hands full with paperwork. Yeah. But there is some software out there actually that makes our life a lot easier than there's automatic compliance software these days which we'll name mm -hmm. a few in another episode i'm sure of it absolutely we might even have one of them so yeah. uh, stay we'll tuned for the next for episode that. guys yeah. yes yes exactly <laughs> I think we're, we're still waiting for that sponsor deposit right 
Yes. <laughs> we yeah, can't yeah. say it. Do I get bleeped out if I say it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one edited in this episode. Can we get so, can, can we get some big novelty checks for that sponsorship money too? That carry it in. I hear six keys is our sponsor the next episode. Sponsor money. The other one was talking? I think the records. Um, I think oh, yeah. we've all obviously touched on it, but I think you know we've talked. I think in the past episodes around, you know, keeping track of your flight logs and so forth, which is great practice when you sort of operating under this level, mm -hmm. um, how thorough we have to be. Um, mm -hmm. So as, as that unnamed compliance software that we keep talking about, that's a great way to maintain our <laughs> operational yeah, records. It really is. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's the next episode. Isn't it, it really is. Um, and now it integrates so. perfectly with DJI drones. Which yes. we'll talk about on the next episode. Stay tuned. The audience understands the, the significant list of people we've got coming on this podcast. Uh, it is, it's, <laughs> it actually blew me away. I was like, wow. And, and for, for the people out there, we've, we've kind of blown out our original number of guests too, I think, from memory. We, <laughs> we started with a few, the next minute we had a hell of a lot. So a page grew very quickly even we were surprised yeah we were surprised ourselves really didn't we we're like wow how do we know that many people to start with and then why would they want to come on and talk to us at the end of the day so it's good it's exciting it is awesome but you know what that's the industry we're in this is what we're looking to do we want to exactly teach right. people about the australian drone industry you know it is yep. it has similarities with the rest of the world but it still is very different you know overall yeah the, um, the, the, sorry, Danny, I was going to say the final thing was um, registering your RPA, which is obviously, I think, came in in June or July this year, right? Yeah, I think. Yep. I remember what for day. for, for uh, commercial operations. Yeah, I think, so that, I think it was the year before. Yes. So, yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. You're right, It was the year before. Then, but they gave us 12 months. it was supposed yeah. to be rec Yeah, they gave us 12 months and then recreational was supposed to be the start of this year but from what i understand it was essentially COVID. it's done to everything as well but um from what i understand they pushed out the recreational registration for 12 months due to covid obviously people not doing out there flying and all that kind of jazz they decided to push out further but i do believe by the end of this year even recreational drones have to be registered and i think it's even Next year, they're looking at recreational pilots having their APL, I believe. Um, really? I could be wrong there. Don't quote me on that one, but I'm pretty sure they're bringing it in. We're so that, every, that everyone who has a drone will have to have a license. You've got to tune in to us for the facts. We, I think we might actually check on that because... TBC. Yeah. That, that's an expensive yeah. exercise, especially uh, well, on it is an expensive exercise, but I'm fairly sure I've heard it now on a couple of different yeah. channels that essentially that will be the game plan is that we, we want every pilot within Australia to hold an RAPL. That means regardless of whether they're recreational or they're professional, they know all the rules. They know what they should and shouldn't be doing. They're not guessing. We're not relying on them to guess. Um, they, they've got all the knowledge off the bat. And, and especially with the registrations coming in, I actually believe that's partially the reason the registrations have come in because now they will actually be able to find out if you are licensed or you are registered yeah. so yeah, um, yeah it's I'm really, important i'm really curious actually like 
you know, it is a very long, lengthy, probably painful process to actually put in place. But then to enforce that is probably even bigger to be able to do. Like every police officer, which I'm sure we've all dealt with police on oh, our jobs before. Some are very educated, but some don't actually understand. Yeah. Now trying to teach them all that, you know, yeah. how they're going to do the X, Y, Z and actually enforce the, you know, drone registration properly. That's a whole nother kettle of fish. Who knows how long yeah. that's going to take even. Yeah. And I think, well, um, well, as we were sort of saying with the registrations, and I think you, I think you'll find it regardless of the registrations, I'm pretty sure, and you sort of even touched on this before, Danny and Sydney. Um, I'm pretty sure now, as far as it goes, I think it's almost Australia wide. They are able to track DJI drones in the air, regardless of whether they're registered or not. Um, other company drones, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's still in the works, not necessarily happening yet, but DJI being the most used and, and most heavily supplied drone to recreational and commercial users around the world, it made sense for them to put that in place. So it's more than likely that Casa and everyone already knows when you're doing pretty silly shit anyway, so you might as well do it properly and do it correctly and do it safely. When you want to fly above the fog to get that beautiful sunrise coming through the don't. I highly recommend you don't do it and just certainly don't. don't post it on, on the internet. Just thinking it looks yeah. cool. And even, yeah. even no matter what Big Brother's yeah. watching. Yeah. Exactly right. There's someone Brandon, watching. He will be yeah. he'll be sharing it. Tag I'll be coming it. after you. Watch it, all right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you're gonna, even, you're gonna start losing friends. Soon, I know. Brandon. I'm gonna be the hated one. I know. I shouldn't have started. No, it is grumpy it. today. I, I think today yeah. is one of those days. You want to don't post this shit today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do it over the weekend. It'll be fine. Just not, not midweek. He doesn't <laughs> check his socials, <laughs> but he's not stressed out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, uh, um, so I guess. I guess we move on to our next topic of if I'm looking to get my RAPL or REOC, where do I go? What do I do? There's a lot of options. Depends on where you are, what state you're in, um, what restrictions you're facing at the moment. But if we're living in a normal world, there's there's heaps of people. There's heaps of people to go and get your REOC um, or your, your remote pilot license. But just just jump on Cass's website as um, inefficient as it might be to do that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it is a good spot. again making friends brendan <laughs> brendan can we not get thrown uh, out of this in the first oh, i almost said it another way so the other way was going to be worse <laughs> i thought i picked my words quite well there really <laughs> well, maybe not uh, i'm interested to see what the other version was <laughs> no no we don't we'll want to we'll do that. the other version we'll yeah. save that for the uncut version <laughs> yeah no i think it, it's as easy as just jumping on google and just uh, and typing in remote pilot license course near me and and someone will pop up there's yeah. heaps of brands there's heaps of people but um i know some yeah. people even offer part of it online at the, now and then then you can come in and do the practical yes. side um yeah. so how easy is that to do then you know a couple of days of theory and when covid decides to go away yeah you can go do your practical well, I think one thing to do is test when you call them to see how they return. Do they even return your phone call? If you don't get your phone call in a you know next two days, don't bother because they're not going to be very good at training. 
I know we're talking about the same company. <laughs> I'm not, not talking not about anyone's experience there at all, Sean, are we? No, no, no. <laughs> I love, um, how, I love how that company we're thinking about and I get the complete opposite out of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, up, people just don't like me, Danny. And, and I was going to say about the character. I was going to say about the medium and, you know, obviously if some most people are probably working before they kind of, you know, want to dip their toes in this sort of industry. Mm-hmm. And most courses are running, you know, three, four, five days consecutively. So, Maybe not right at the moment, but yeah, that's yeah. your typical delivery mechanism. So that may not suit you. So there's quite a few people now do it online, like Brendan highlighted already. So I think you've got to be able to talk to them. They've got to be patient. They shouldn't be shoving down a course um, down your throat. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the main things to be looking for, like they're not, you're not looking for bells and whistles. In the end, all you need is the RAPL. They can offer every certificate under the sun, but that's the one that, actually means something and obviously you re yeah. when it can, comes to it yeah you can always upgrade that's the thing exactly. like you may as well not like and it, it is an expensive process so that's the other the other part of it it's not like a couple yeah. of grand you get away with and you got your reoc and you're good to go it is a long process because you have to get insurance you have to mm-hmm. go through all the um, CASA stuff as well it's not a quick process. Like some, some drag out for um, three to four months, depending on the, the mm-hmm. amount of people trying to get their reoc. Re- so um, one of my mates actually had to wait about eight months for his, but that, that was a few years ago. I think it was kind of mm-hmm. you know, the quick Ooh. boom that the industry had over the years. Yeah. And he, yeah, he waited a long time. In the end, I think he ended up changed something, changed something, went through a delegate, which is a whole nother kettle of fish. Yeah. That was a yeah, lot more and, and delegates are delegates are a great option for some people. Um, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, I think the way the industry has gone and how fast it has grown. And we're back after a battery change, guys. <laughs> um, so the next thing we'd like to talk about would be drone insurance. Um, why do I need drone insurance? You know, the drone doesn't drop out of the sky all the time. Well, you don't need drone insurance, but we advise probably you should. So. Yeah. You should right. want it. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's like driving on unregistered power, essentially. You're not yeah. going to have an accident, but the odd chance you do have that crash, it could be into Ferrari and you don't want to have to pay that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or a building and that's worth $20 million. No. Yeah. Left some windows. <laughs> Good old public liability. People. Um, so I think also worth... Also worth noting too, with insurance, um, going back to the licensing, I mean, we were discussing this before, um, on your REPL and just your REPL, you will actually not be able to get insurance for flight, um, for commercial flights. You will be able to get insurance for theft, um, insurance for essentially dropping it and breaking it. Um, but if you're in flight when it happens, not insured. Um, for you to get your drone insured for during flight, you need to have a REOC. If you do not have a REOC, you will not be insured for during flight and um, or, or you're not working under a REOC. Um, so that's something to be very, very aware of. And also drone insurance isn't cheap. <laughs> no. Especially and when you add in the like, liability. Yeah, it's a completely separate yeah. insurance policy to everything else that yeah. you have. So if you're a surveyor, if you're a photographer or whatever, you've got public liability now or whatever it might be, but you have to, your, your insurance company that insures you for that might not be able to get 
aviation insurance to insure you to do drone operations. Yeah. So you have to take out another policy Correct. to get your aviation insurance because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're in aviation. We're not in surveying or whatever yeah. it is. Um, it's a different type of public liability and it's looked at very differently and you have a lot more risk um, profile when you're adding drones to your operation. Yeah, so I think let's talk a little bit about some of the some of our experiences around in policies. So there's obviously public liability, which is your standard, you know, your 20 start, I think 10 mils probably the minimum, but 20 is probably the most average. Yeah, I think 10 mils a middle. Yeah. Um, and then obviously your hull insurance, your your airborne equipment, um, which means it's it's the drone and probably the battery, not necessarily the controller. So because that's the thing in the air. So that insurance, like Brendan just talked about, is very much what's in the air. You've got to ask the, uh, when you get your cover note, does it insure what's on the ground while I'm actually doing my job? If someone's actually stealing something from the U. So yeah. run the scenarios through, because they're more than likely, uh, it's not going to get covered. It's probably going to need another policy for your ground equipment. So. Yeah. And that can be um, like, like you said, Sean, anything out of your car or uh, if someone runs past mm -hmm. and steals your RTK um, ground system, um, you know, anything that, yeah, like you said, anything that's not in the air, it's not covered. <laughs> so check it. You have to check it. Yeah, even to the point, I know we've got separate policies for, um, sorry, public liability where if I'm operating a drone in the air and someone trips over my safety cone that's there, mm -hmm. That's actually a, a different issue. It's yeah. not the same thing. What it's not the drone flew and hit a building. Mm. It's someone yeah. who tripped. So you got to think about the scenarios and and you got to have that open conversation, especially if you're going to go under you know work as a real holder in more mm. commercial operations. But even if you're just flying, um, I think the best thing to do is just ask the questions, ask the scenarios maybe post some questions to us so we can do some research ourselves and, and raise some of these stuff and share it with the rest of the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think because we cross over two different types of industries, uh, it's not looked at, at the same way. So it's, it's annoying and frustrating and it might change in the future, but right now that's what it is. And you have to be across it and understand that you play in two different fields when it comes to insurance because well the insurance industry is learning themselves like yeah. us right yeah. so yeah, yeah. and yeah. a new industry is a new industry they've got to get up to speed the same same way we all have to yeah yeah That's right and it's just a very expensive process yeah which is why i think the scenarios is good because even when we were applying um unless you ask the questions i was just shocked what some of the things weren't covered um yeah. but yeah, you've got to ask the questions i think so you're comfortable yeah. and, and at least you know what you are not come not covered for because mm. if you just assume you should just never assume that you're covered for it so you've got to check um because some of the equipment that we use is really expensive and if it's mm. damaged or stolen or whatever and we're not covered <clears> it's <throat> just money out of your pocket so yeah. it's better to be safe than sorry what, what are they I say about assume you make out an ass of you and me. 
<laughs> used to use that all the time in the kitchen. <laughs> you and Danny have been practicing, man, writing yeah. stuff down. Good yeah, this. Have. have you guys been sharing recipes as well? Or? <laughs> have been. <laughs> we said I, I we're not re- going I reckon there. I can cook a better pulled beef than Danny, so we'll see how that goes. Oh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh. Um, oh, I guess, guys, uh, that time of the week right now, we um, we get visited by our dear friend, um, Safety Ty. So Safety guys. Oh, oh, wow. Hey, Safety Ty, oh. hey, how are you? Yeah. What have you got for us this week, buddy? Yeah, I'm not a roller today, so I had to work with that. Um, <laughs> all right. So this week. We've got, a, we've got a little bit of an entertaining dummy of the week, I think is a good way to put it. It's a little bit of a giggle, but it does obviously address a few things that are, are completely wrong, obviously. Um, bring this up now. Hold on. Well, looking in the mirror. Ruin the end of it. Damn it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> if only had a Red Bull hat. What are you trying to say, Danny? <laughs> All right. So as you can see, Someone's taken a drone to a zoo and they're flying near the chimpanzee enclosure. And that chimpanzee was not very happy, as you can see. He's also having a a nice little look at what's been flying around and annoying him. (laughs) And getting a much closer view of the chimpanzee here. Uh, And then I think he turns around, hey, there's a nice chimp selfie. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's how... um, yeah. yeah, that's definitely oh, the thumbnail. I'll give I'll give it one more I'll give it one more run through so we can we can have a bit more of a chat about it and you guys can have a bit of a look and obviously folks at home that are actually watching visually. Um for the folks not watching visually, oh, um I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a breakdown. You have you have the pilot flying essentially if you've, if you've been to a zoo, you, you would have seen uh, monkey enclosures where they're in the, in the middle of a, essentially a moat on a little island. Um, and this drone pilot flew in to have a better look at the chimpanzees, got a little bit close, and one of the chimpanzees wasn't very happy and essentially beat the drone out of the sky with a stick and then decided to investigate the drone closer and eventually it ends up with him essentially taking a selfie of himself. Um, so break it down, guys. What have you got to say about that one? I've been to a really? few zoos and most of them have signs saying no drones. <laughs> I was going to say pre, um, the pre-flight probably wasn't very detailed. No, definitely not. I'd say there wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That was the definition. <laughs> that was the definition of. And look, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and, and this is something that I'm passionate about as well. The whole uh, wildlife and drones. Um, again, it applies. You need to, you need to stay clear of them. You need to be thirty meters clear. In, in some cases, a lot greater distances depending on the animal, um, but. I, I go back to them a lot because animals react differently around drones. Look, anyone who's a pilot has dogs. I guarantee you've seen it. Yep. Um, my One of my dogs actually decided to try and take my DJI spark out of the air at our old house. She didn't get there, but she got very close. Um, but in the day she grabbed it, she would have 
copped a blade in the mouth and it wouldn't have wouldn't have been a pretty sight for me an expensive built vet Bill, yeah um but yeah yeah and and look it's 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 for their safety it's 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 exactly what it's for it's for their safety all the rules that are in place and and not even just for wildlife are for safety um so but yeah i, I could go on for hours about wildlife and drones and i'm gonna save that for a whole episode on it because i really I ripped one. through some uh insta pilots so we'll just uh leave that one alone for now is that, we'll a, is that a warning is that a warning is that are we just preparing oh yeah the day we get to that i'm gonna name and shame some new ones oh, yes. that's gonna be an episode i'm gonna have to sit out guys <laughs> 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 not associated with my, yeah just, my let me go through your profile first danny and then on, see on, what i can one find i um, get added to my list what up block block how many accounts <laughs> have you got block <laughs> blocked <laughs> nah. i keep all mine above board on there at least because yet again once it's on the internet it's everywhere you can, everywhere. It can be held against you as legal yeah, exactly you can, there's only so many times you can say i found exactly it. so is there anything else you <laughs> yeah well that's it um is there anything else you guys want to sort of add into that i mean there's a lot there you can break down if you really want to so don't be a monkey <laughs> well i think you said it really well that 30 meter exclusion this that clearly if you kind of practice the basics that we talked about at the start you're mm. going to end up in that scenario with an expensive uh uh, drone destroyed probably so I'd, I'd be really interested to see if it was actually a worker that's done that or if it was a public no i reckon that's a 50 50 because i have not in necessarily in australia but I've, when i've been overseas i have seen some people do some really really stupid shit mm. in zoos um so i I'm, i wouldn't be surprised if it was it was an actual paying customer to the zoo but okay. it, it very well also could have been someone working at the zoo and they might have actually had a reason for doing so um but if they were doing it for work at the zoo and they did have a reason for doing so they did not do it properly and they did not do it safely so it makes at it least, not cool at least the monkey was smart enough to not try and grab it himself he used a stick like Probably smarter than the pilot in that sense. <laughs> yeah. Chimpanzees yeah. um, are quite intelligent. So yeah. I'm sure there's yeah. um, some people that uh, probably sit below the IQ spectrum of a chimpanzee. Well, but yeah, look, it's it's end of the day. I, at least I can appreciate that he picked it up and had a bit of a look and realised it was a camera and got himself a selfie at the end of it, which I think's going. But yeah, look, it's definitely unsafe. I reckon that's thumbnail material. Definitely. Yeah, on that note, folks, I reckon that's us for uh, episode three of the Drones Down Under podcast. Wow. Flying through them, guys. Yeah. Cool. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for the next episode, yeah. guys. It's been I a think, pleasure to chat to you. I think the, the listeners should be really pumped. Like I, like, I know we mentioned it earlier about what we've got kind of coming up. Like, we've actually got an unreal list of people coming onto this podcast and I think we're really going to hit the mark on bringing a lot of value. Um, it's a lot of different opinions, a lot of different angles from the drone industry. Um, so I really, I, I hope anyone listening, just, just stick with us because over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be pretty cool what we're releasing and the people we're talking to, because 
they're all about what we're about and um and that's what we want we want to promote people within the industry um and that support our, our industry as well in in many ways shapes and forms so I think and Australian, Australian based, right? Which is really yeah, exciting. All Australia, yeah, it's exactly yeah. right. Everyone's here and um, they're happy to jump on, talk about what they're doing. Yeah, it's good. It, I'm excited about it. And um, yeah, hopefully the listeners can stick around and see what we've got in, in store. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a couple of guests on that list that I'm really excited to pick their brain a little bit. I and wonder uh, who, like you said, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, look, probably the one that I'm not allowed to pick that brand. Yeah, no. There's a reason I'm not going to shoot that one live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. All right. Um, but look, I, I think what, what we're, we're going to bring to the table, and, and, and particularly on the guests, um, well, I, I, it's a very, very broad spectrum of our industry. And yeah. I think. For the listeners out there, regardless of where you're sitting in the industry, again, whether it's, it's someone that's just interested in drones or it's someone that's sitting in, in a heavily working position within the industry, it doesn't really matter at the moment. I, what we're going to give you guys is, yeah, you won't find it anywhere else, to be yeah. honest. So, like, we're leaving no, no stone unturned. That's right. And I think the thing that we're yeah. building and trying to do within the Australian industry is promote people within at the drone industry what they're doing different aspects um yeah. and we're all supporting one another it's not like we're just picking people we want to speak to it's actually people that are changing how the industry works different workflows the value that they bring um, and also learning about their story as well about how they where they started how they got into the space and where they think the drone industry is going as well so I think that's the really exciting part yeah. is learning that how many people are coming into this industry because of how big it's going to become in Australia. That's, that's the really cool, cool part. Yeah. Definitely. That's definitely. Yeah. Right on. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, guys, Till the next. catch you in the next, the next episode. Peace Until out. Later. Bye. Have a good night, guys.